Power the Future presents the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Each week, Rick and Larry take you through the latest news you need to know to take on the eco-left. We're proud to stand with our country's energy workers who get the job done every day. And to all those greenies out there, we say, you're fracking welcome. Now, here's Rick and Larry. Hey, everybody. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to this week's edition of the Your Fracking Welcome podcast brought to you by Power of the Future. I'm Rick Quitbeck, the Alaska State Director, and joining me, as always, Larry Behrens, the Western States Director for Power of the Future. Hey, Larry, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay for a Friday. You know, I can never be too upset on a Friday, and hey, baseball's coming back. Looks like maybe the price of oil's coming back. Feeling a little better about life. You know, certainly as we uh, look across the country and see things starting to get back to normal, we see the increase in COVID cases, but uh, those were expected. We see the, the uh, rise in demand of energy. That is to be expected. And we start looking at the presidential election, Larry, and we see things uh, that the mainstream media is telling us are to be expected, like a Joe Biden double-digit lead in almost every poll. So not that I think that President Trump isn't going to walk away with this election here come November, uh, and, I, and I do believe he will be uh, reelected. But let's talk about the impacts of a Biden presidency on New Mexico and Alaska. And I'm going to start because Alaska is bigger than New Mexico uh, geographically. And, you know, we're first in the alphabet, even though you were first in, 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 into the U.S. Um, <laughs> I'll let him slide today. I'll let him slide. <laughs> a Biden presidency. Uh, well, you know, I wrote about this on PowerTheFuture.com, which is where we get a lot of uh, a lot of opportunity to talk about you know, our two states and our, our you know, our areas and, and what that impact uh, of environmental overreach would be. Um, and, and let's just start with the obvious. Biden has talked about how on day one, uh, and this is straight off of his, um, straight off of his uh, website, how he would shut down fracking, how he would shut down oil and gas development on federal lands, um, and he specifically talks about protecting America's national treasures by permanently protecting the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge and other areas impacted by President Trump's attack on federal lands and waters. So um, Joe Biden would mean a loss of jobs, a loss of opportunity, a loss of, re- a loss, loss of revenue for both the federal and state um, uh, coffers. And Joe Biden presidency, again, would be uh, the demise of probably millions of energy jobs across America. Absolutely. And and it's no different here in New Mexico. It would just be the absolute demise of our entire economy here in our state and what he is proposing, even though uh, folks here have endorsed him. They haven't had to argue for his energy um stance and in new mexico you know the energy industry makes up well over 30 percent sometimes near 40 percent of our entire state budget and i know we talked about it last week but we just finished a special session here in new mexico where we were two billion in the hole and if you want to see what you know a session in new mexico would look like under a biden presidency two billion dollars in the hole kind of gives you an idea it is going to be the biggest um, economic driver in our state being completely undermined and let's just i think it's it's time we be a little bit upfront too about why he's doing it you know i think he saw the results of 2016 that maybe some of the bernie folks stayed home and didn't vote for the democrat nominee and he feels he has to go just as radical as bernie does or as bernie is 
in order to keep those votes in his camp come November. And in doing so, he has absolutely alienated energy-rich states, not just yours and mine, but also Pennsylvania, Louisiana, and, and critical states where you know they provide the energy that powers our economy and, by the way, is going to power the coronavirus recovery. And so to have a position like that it is going to be, you know, a President Biden would be disastrous. And there's really, in my mind, only two roads that can be taken. One, uh, if he's elected, he's going to do what he says and those jobs are just going to disappear and we're going to have to try to figure out how to just transition to breadlines, finding a new way of life, or he's just not going to do what he says he's going to do. And so it'll, you know, and I know I can hear all of the eco-left folks getting all freaked out, breadlines, breadlines. Oh, mean, yeah. It was, you know, I mean, it was only a few months ago. It was toilet paper. So I'm just saying it is um, and a way. And, and, and we laugh because that seems outrageous. But take a look at what the Green New Deal would cost our states. It's $72,000 per family in New Mexico in the first year. The average family in New Mexico makes $42,000. There's just no way it can be done. Right. No, I, I agree with you. And so. You know, we will continue to, um, to to really talk about the impacts of a Biden presidency, um, who his cabinet might be, you know, the, the people and the organizations bankrolling him. You know, he's talked about uh, a no fossil fuels pledge and, and not taking money from executives. But you know what? That's not as evil to me as taking the money from people like George Soros and Michael Bloomberg and Tom Steyer and people like that who want to shut down America's economy. And this whole just transition garbage, for lack of a better word, um, really just means this. Taking people who are already producing for society, putting them on the unemployment line, and then reteaching, retooling, retraining them into a different job. Guess what? The people that work in America's energy field, uh, you know, oil and gas fields and, and mines today don't want to do something else. They're there by choice. They're there for their families. They're there for the, the, you know, the fun that they enjoy working in the fields or working um, you know, in the mines. They don't want to be replaced and start working on windmills and solar farms and you know hydro projects you're absolutely right and and you know it actually in in my mind it gets more sinister than that i mean take a look at it and i think we're starting to see it here in new mexico as they shut down you know coal-fired mines and plants here they said okay well we're going to set aside this money taxpayer money usually to retrain you and then what happens who gets those contracts to retrain these employees it's you know sierra club employment program natural resources defense council back to work program amazingly it happens to inside with the equal left groups that gave a ton of money to the candidate and then they set up these other you know sideways non-governmental organizations under the pretense that they're going to retrain these workers and then they get the contract money to redo it so they get richer it goes back to those equal left politicians they get richer and meanwhile everyone's out of a job and it just it lasts we've seen it in appalachia we've seen it everywhere else the the dire consequences in society that come when the eco-left takes away jobs are irreversible and they're multi-generational. Well, and as you said, as those buddies then go back into the NRDCs, the Sierra Clubs, and the other um, you know extremist organizations, they turn around and then impact local, state, and, and federal elections 
in jurisdictions that aren't even theirs, and you had that happen in New Mexico. Absolutely. We were able to take a look at, you know, for all the whining the Ecoleft does about big oil coming in and, and spending money on elections, it is amazing to see how the Sierra Club in New Mexico in our recent primary election just less than a month ago spent over $170,000. Now, when you ask, well, Larry, that doesn't seem like a lot of money compared to other things. Let's take it in perspective. They spent that to try to win the New Mexico State Senate. So if the Sierra Club has $170,000 for a primary election, not a general election, uh, in the New Mexico State Senate, imagine what they're getting ready to do for Joe Biden. Imagine what they're getting ready to do for U.S. Senators and Congress people. The money that is going to flow into these races, particularly in a state like Alaska or New Mexico, where a media buy isn't as expensive as it is in, say, right. Texas or Louisiana, and they can go a little further for their buck. And let's be honest, when you look at where that money came from, we looked up the address. It's from a high rise in Oakland, California. Zero of it came from New Mexico, and yet it is being used to impact our states. And so it is another case of the long arm of the eco-left reaching into our states, trying to get their uh, way of life pushed upon us. Well, and, and the thing about it is when you're talking especially about, um, you know, like federal elections, right? Mm -hmm. The goal is to get to a majority. They don't care whether it comes from a small state or a big state. If they can overrun you know, a Senator Dan Sullivan, uh, who, who is a Republican from our great state of Alaska, who's up for election this year and being challenged by a quote unquote independent, totally backed by the act blue money making machine and the Democratic Party, a guy named Dr. Al Gross. Um, they don't, it's, it's just one of a hundred, right? They could care less whether it comes from California, whether it comes from Alaska, whether it comes from New Mexico or Illinois. The, the eco left just wants to own uh, and, and influence as many members of Congress as they can. So, you know, hopefully Alaskans see through that facade here um, in November in our state, and so, certainly hopefully uh, they, they see through it in, in every other race at the Sierra Club and NRDC and, uh, you know, the Bloombergs and Steyers and Soroses decide to try to fund it. Absolutely. The influence that is being peddled in our states where, like I said, geographically pretty large, uh, but, you know, as far as population, not that large, and the money can go a lot further. The, it, you know, putting aside $170,000 is nothing to this year club, but it's only an indicator because, you know, I know they're going to be looking at my state in November in the presidential, you know, and, and they may think they have it locked up, but the Trump campaign is working hard here. They're investing time and money here, and you can bet Natural Resources Defense Council, Sierra Club, and everyone else is going to be moving in there. And speaking of, you know, federal uh, regions, I understand uh, you guys had some fun rulings from the bench in Alaska this week. Yeah, well, you know, if you can't buy a legislature and you can't buy a federal uh, uh, congressional seat, maybe you can influence the decisions that come across from um, environmentally bought presidents like President Obama, who um, who nominated back in uh, 2012 Sharon Gleason, who was an, an Alaskan attorney, an Alaskan judge, um, to the federal bench. Judge Gleason, uh, I gave her credit earlier this year when she made a decision that actually was quasi-pro-development. But yet again, this week, she struck a blow to um, Alaska's businesses when she basically said that logging in the Tongass um, was being forced upon the American people by bad policy from the uh, U.S. Army Corps of Engineers throughout the entire plan that they'd been working on for years and um, demanded 
through her ruling that the um, logging process or the ability to open up the Tongass National Forest to timber in one and a half percent of the forest uh, would be used for timber development and put, putting people to work here in Alaska. And she threw that whole thing out at the request of the environmental left. So um, this is the same judge who killed the King Cove Road, which would have been a life-saving measure um, with zero land, uh, uh, you know, zero land loss to a, a national um, refuge. She threw out the uh, offshore drilling capabilities in the Outer Continental Shelf here in Alaska, and you know she has become the darling of the environmental left. the The plan now is if you want to stop something, get it into the federal courthouse, and uh, hopefully it gets aside to Judge Gleason. She has um, time and time again, including this week, just made horrendously partisan biased, um, extremist decisions. Well, and that's part of the strategy that they work on when they have to obstruct, right? And so just so folks sure. folks know, when you have a state like Alaska where the political leadership is fair to the energy industry, what they do is they take on the role of obstructionist. They'll protest, they'll file lawsuits, they'll do anything they can to slow something down, make it cost more money to those who are trying to produce and try to stop that job creation uh, as long as they can until the tide turns, until they can, you know, get a judge at the, in the bench, till they can get another person in the seat in the Senate. And then when it comes here, like New Mexico, where they have radical environmentalists who are friendly uh, throughout the high office, those things that they say matter just don't matter. We have solar farms going up without a single environmental impact study here in New Mexico. Crazy. We have all kinds of things that they say they care about the environment, but now that the radical environmentalist politicians are in charge, Obstructionist doesn't become the problem. It becomes them pushing an agenda that will last generations. And so on one hand, you have to give them credit. They are tenacious in what they do in terms of obstructing it when they feel that the political environment is not right for them. And then when they are in control, um, putting down laws and rules and regulations that can last for generations. And they know that it is going to take a huge and often insurmountable effort to get back to work for many of the people who have, who have lost their jobs. And so, you know, when you take a look to anyone who's listening around your state, don't be surprised when you see things like protest or a lawsuit filed here. That's the tactics of obstruction that they will try to use. And then when they can do the control of the state house, keep a lookout because the rules that they say applied when they're, you know, uh, not in power, all of a sudden uh, don't really apply when they are in power. And so it's, it's hypocrisy all around. Yeah, certainly as we uh, get ready to wrap up this week's edition of the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Uh, brought to you by Power of the Future. Larry and I will continue to be diligent as we look out for um, opportunities to inform uh, our podcast listeners uh, about the, the goings-on of the eco-left and, and how that extremist um, philosophy of wildlife above human life and above, uh, of, of wildlife above jobs and you know that just, just that mentality of kind of almost a religion of the left where – People are less important than nature. Uh, well, they're going to continue with their crap. We're going to continue to, to expose it. And we'll probably do more of it next week on the Your Fracking Welcome podcast. Larry, anything else to add before we sign off? Not at all. Not at all, Rick. It's always great to talk to you. Always great to see uh, you chilling in Alaska where the weather is much more chill. Uh, summer's yeah. not quite a full effect there yet. But, you know, uh, to our credit, the sun doesn't stay up here for 23 hours a day. And so, you know, there's uh, there's advantages. Don't forget, you can uh, always catch us on the website at powerthefuture.com. 
Larry's Twitter handle is at PTF New Mexico. Mine is at PTF Alaska. More, uh, more national stuff at Power the Future on Twitter. Um, on Facebook at Power the Twitter. Uh, Power the Future. <laughs> on Facebook at Power the Future. At Power the Twitter. At Power the Future. Uh, we're on SoundCloud. You can search for us on um, on SoundCloud at Power the Future and get all of our radio and TV um, appearances there. And of course, on your favorite podcast uh, uh, platform. We're always going to be here with the Your Fracking Welcome podcast each and every week. So until next time, it's been a, it's been a great week. You guys have a, have a great one, and uh, we'll be back next week. And for all the eco-left guys who listen to us and go, ugh, you're fracking welcome. That's it for this episode of Your Fracking Welcome, brought to you by Power the Future. Check us out online at powerthefuture.com or on Twitter at PTF New Mexico and PTF Alaska. In the meantime, make sure you tell your favorite radical environmentalist you're fracking welcome.